This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How are you? Very well indeed. How's Tuesday going? Tuesday's been good so far. I managed to get a bit of doctorate writing done today, which is good. Always a good thing. And uh, other than that, I'm looking forward to my last three days of work before the weekend and my holiday. Holiday sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, apart from mine's going to be a writing holiday. Yeah, yeah, people, <laughs> so, people pay. I, I'll be in my house. <laughs> people pay heaps to go on writing retreats. Not in the middle of summer in the Eastern Bay of Plenty. Yeah, they do. They go to they go to seaside towns and they they set themselves up in little cottages and and they they write stuff. All right, I feel better now. Thank you. <laughs> and who are we introducing today? Today it is my great pleasure to introduce someone who I have so much respect for. He is making a massive difference uh, in our healthy river life here in the North Island. His name, he's always known by everyone as Diddy Mo Dave. In fact, that's the only name I know him by. Um, it's been my pleasure to watch his work over the years um, and, and just see what a huge difference he makes, not only to keeping our waterways safe uh, and to bringing awareness to Diddy Mo and other uh, terrible things that happen in our freshwater system, but also the work that he does with young people uh, and Dave, it is such an honour and privilege to have you on our show today. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome, Kira. Kira, Sam. Welcome to the show, Dave. How was your bubble life? Well, over COVID, you mean? Yeah. Oh, well, that was very interesting. It was very interesting because the, the moment the government announced that, uh, that we we're going to go to level four. Some of us, uh, including a guy called Jack Donaldson, who's the general, we, we call him the general in Otago. We were fascinated to see how the government was actually going to get people to behave and to stick to level four and the two meters distance and everything else. Now, the reason I bring that point in is because in all the biosecurity work that we've done in Aotearoa, New Zealand, getting people to comply with biosecurity has just been the biggest problem we've ever had. And as it showed over, over COVID, uh, you know, they had hundreds of people and some of them they had to talk to several times to get them to actually comply. There was a very simple message, what level four was, 
but but that was that was and so we we watched we watched a lot of that we also got in contact with uh, um, all sorts of people some of them were running the illegal uh, or, or what was known as the illegal uh, um, you know roadblocks around the countryside and some of those people we, we got in contact with uh, we figured out where they were and we figured out that they were in areas very, very close to major rivers, Awa, and we got in contact with them. And in one case, we sent them a whole pile of trout flies and a bunch of information on biosecurity uh, written in Toreo. So we were very, very busy with COVID, over, over, uh, over COVID with biosecurity. Even though we couldn't go anywhere, we were into everything we possibly could. So what sort of work is it that you do that, that made that leap? Well, basically, I, I was asked in 2007 if I would be an advocate for what was known as the Check Clean Dry program, which had been uh, developed by Ministry of Primary Industries as a program to stop the, that people could use to stop the spread of Didymo uh, initially in the South Island. And so in 2007, I started doing advocacy work on rivers and, and lakes around the central North Island, teaching people about check, clean, dry, and getting them to actually in, in, in partake in that program where they cleaned their gear or checked it and dried it as they moved from one river to another, one lake to another. And that's what I've pretty much been doing mainly since 2007. So coming into COVID this year, although we couldn't actually go anywhere uh, and actually be allowed out to do anything, we use social media and all sorts of techniques to get the message out there as much as we possibly could. And it was interesting, some of the relationships that we built. So that, that's what COVID was to me. Mm. It's a great opportunity to look at behavior change and, 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 and how we actually get it in, in the area of biosecurity. Because the, the COVID is a at, at its heart a biosecurity problem. True. True. And and you've been you've you've been working to to change behaviour using all of those tools like social media and and nice and simple messaging. So, so have you learnt anything from the government's messaging around COVID? Have you p- picked up any tips well, from the? Ashley and Jacinda show? What, what we've learned is that whenever it comes to behaviour change, be it um, the different levels of COVID, be it uh, do not um, drink and drive, be it uh, don't use your cell phones when you're driving, and be, be it the Check Clean Drive program, is that we, we are struggling as a country to get this behaviour change. It's just not happening. I mean, you've only got to stand on a street corner in any town in, in, in New Zealand and look at the number of people driving around with their cell phones, talking on their cell phones while they're driving, and, and, and to see that the, the behaviour change is a very, very difficult thing to get. It's hugely difficult. And so that was what COVID gave us the opportunity to actually to actually look at. There was at one stage in COVID where, where Department of Conservation were, uh, I think it might have been level three or two, I can't remember now, where they weren't allowing hunters to go onto onto dock land. And some of the um, big hunting groups and that on social media were jumping up and down saying we should be allowed to do 
do it. And I, I was coming in with, well, here's the reason why you can't. Do you have some hunters in your organization that won't play the game? And in every instant, these hunting organizations were coming back and going, well, yeah, actually we do. I said, well, okay, now you know the do. How do you get these hunters to behave themselves into COVID so that you can go on there? And no one had the answer. And that's what it comes back to with biosecurity is how do we actually get behavior change? Now, in the middle of COVID, we ran an online we ran an online competition one weekend. We offered uh, free accommodation at Tongariro River Motel in Turangi. We offered free guiding, fish, fly fishing guiding, and we offered free boat fishing on a, on a boat out in the lake if someone could tell us how to get behavior change amongst people, and no one could. We put it on the line. We, 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 we put it on the line. We had spending money. We had meals with the whole lot. You can have a weekend in Turangi if you can just tell us how to do it. No one could do it. So she's, she's a complicated subject. Why do you think we're so bad at behaviour change when the, the 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 reasons are so obvious in in, in terms of like biosecurity and the things that we being asked to do aren't that difficult? No, well, and and I mean a classic example is is, is for any of the listeners if they ever watch um, Border Patrol or Border Security. You're going to get a whole lot of people coming through declaring this and declaring that and a whole lot of people coming through that aren't declaring it. Even though the signage and penalties and everything on the airport, you know, we still need all these customs people to intercept people who, who claim, oh, I don't have any food, and then they open up the suitcases lay them with them. Now, when it comes to biosecurity, what we figured out was around about 2007, 2008, was that was that what we are dealing with is a biosecurity IQ problem. So when people are at school, uh, it's, it's all about academic IQ. And so you can get somebody who, who has a, a high academic IQ, they're very successful, they've made a lot of money and everything, but if their biosecurity IQ is low, then you've got a problem because they just don't see the problem and they don't want to interact with it and they don't want to do anything with it. They don't see the problem. So what we really got as far as biosecurity goes with, with the area I'm involved in, which is freshwater pests in New Zealand, we, we're not fighting the pests because the pests can't move on their own. The only reason, they're going, the only way they're going to get moved from one lake to another, one river to another is by human controlled activity. So the people that are going to move them are the low biosecurity IQ people. And that's the fight we've got in biosecurity is dealing with those people and trying to educate them and trying to lift their IQ level. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you think it's that people don't know what the the risk is or what the problem is? I, I'm thinking of the sort of things that we know about, say, climate change, that does anybody seriously not know about climate change, but yet people don't actually well, make well, a make a difference? Is it a similar sort of thing with with freshwater pests? Yeah, yeah, and 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 this year this summer is going to be interesting because we're going to have a whole lot of people who would normally have holidayed overseas who are going to holiday within our country domestically, and there's going to be a whole bunch of them that simply don't know about what needs to be done. So yes, there is part of that. But if you look at Lake Otamanakau, 
which is a, a lake over by um, slightly north of Mount Rapehu. Now, that's a hydro lake. This is going to be the 15th year that I'll have been standing on the boat ramp at Lake Otaka talking the same stuff largely to the same people. So, yes, there are some people that simply don't know, and, 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 and we need to get that education out to them. But there's a lot of them that just, that just they're just not there. They don't, they don't want to do it. And the only reason they're doing it is because I'm there and, and, and in other areas there's other advocates and they know they don't want to get caught biased, but they do it. But it's like a forced thing. They don't actually want to do it. And this summer, it's us. It's going to be difficult to blame backpacking Germans. It's, it, well, it, this is the great Kiwi enough. summer. That's right. And, and there's another thing. I mean, you know, obviously the tourism industry is down at the moment. But having said that, the, 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 it was very interesting over the winter uh, because the uh, Taupo rivers are open over the winter for fishing. They're not closed like other ones. And the amount of discarded nylon that we picked up off the Taupo tributaries this winter with no overseas tourists was unbelievable. I've never seen such a mess in all my life. Now, I've been picking that nylon up now for about 10 years, the discarded nylon, that people cut off their line and they drop it in the car parks, they drop it on the riverbanks. I've been picking it up and building a nylon trout out of it, a model trout, so that people can see, you know, just how much of it is out there. And, you know, the, the trout topped 18 pounds this year. Now, that's a pretty big trout out of discarded nylon, just out of the local area here in, in, in Taipal. So, yeah, we, we've got some problems domestically, for sure, with, with, with New Zealanders. We can't blame the Germans and all the rest of it over this one. We, we've got some big problems here. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Albert Hammond down by the river. Why this one? Okay. It, 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 go back to 1974. 72, 74, my, my family used to, um, we, we, we used to, we lived, I was born in Hamilton, but we used to, we used to holiday a little place called Waitanui, just south of, of Taupo on the, on, the, on the edge of the lake. And my dad was a keen fly fisherman. And through him, I met an old Maori man by the name of Tom Marama. And I give Tom the credit for being the first person and the major person that got me thinking as a little boy, what on earth were we doing to the rivers and lakes thing? It was, we, at that stage, it was everyone was about going out onto the river to catching fish, to using the lake, but nobody was putting anything back. And it was Tom that got, you know, he was, he was a, a Maori man. He would have been probably, late 50s, maybe 60 at the time, and he got this little Pākehā kid thinking <laughs> about what on earth were we doing. And then when that song came on the radio and I heard it in 1975 on the radio at home, and the song talks about, it's an American song, but it talks about the degradation of a river, the way the river dies. And I remember listening to that on the radio when I was 15 thinking, holy Moses, will that ever happen here? And sadly, in some places, it has. City life was getting us down, so we spent a weekend out of town. Pitched the tent on a patch of ground. 
So I'll be in Taupo in the middle of January swimming the epic, the 10k, 2.5k and then 5k swim. What do we need to do? Great. Good question. Okay, let's look at the Check Clean Dry program. You're coming up from uh, the South Island, from Dunedin, is that right? That's right. Okay. You've got a wetsuit? I possibly will have a wetsuit. Okay, well, you have swimming togs at them. I definitely have togs. Okay, okay. First off, where will you will have worn those togs? Now, if you will have been in the sea, salt water, or if you will have been in a pool with chlorine, you can jump on a plane, you can fly into Taupo here, and you can go straight in the lake, and there's no problem at all. You don't need to do anything. Okay? If you've been swimming in a river, or a lake, then you either need to, you need to check them, make sure there's no fragments of weed, and then either dry them out or wash them before you move out of the South Island. Okay? Right. 
And that, that, that's the Check Clean Dry program. Going back, that's when, that's when things are. You will have been in Lake Taupo. Okay, we don't want any of the weeds that are in, 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 in Taupo going back to the South Island. So that, again, comes in with checking whatever you wear up here in, in the lake, making sure it's all nice and clean, it's got no fragments, and then giving it a blooming good wash, because you won't have time to dry it out, giving it a good wash before you go home. And you can just do that in a kitchen sink with dishwashing liquid. In fact, if you let me know when you're going to be here, I'll come and teach you how to do it. How about that? That sounds good. It's, I'll check the dates and let you know. Yeah, check the dates, give me a yell, and I'll come and teach you how to do it. Yeah. And it, that doesn't so sound that's like... about how we move around. Yeah, that doesn't sound like that. And, and it's uh, on a bigger scale, it's the same for boats. Yes. Yes. One of the, the, there's some different things with them. Uh, you know, for instance, boats. One of the problems with boats is, is a lot of people are very good at maybe cleaning the trailer and the outside of the boat and the motor but it's the traps with boats that are the problem. And one of the traps, just one of them, is the anchor well. Okay? So you, you, you've, got a, you, you've got a boat uh, used in a, in, a, in a lake in the North Island, and they've had the anchor out, they've brought it in, and they've got some hornwort fragments on it. And then those people decide for their holiday that they're going to go to the Nelson Lakes in the South Island, uh, and they go down through there, they get out on the Nelson Lakes, they pull the anchor out, they throw it over the side, and bang, up comes hornwort in the Nelson Lakes. So there are some traps with boats, and they're mainly around the bilges, the fishing gear, and the anchor well. That's the main traps with, with, with boats that where, where people need to be very, very careful. And if anybody wants to wants information on the Check Clean Dry program, then I'm on Facebook, Diddy Mo Dave, Get a hold of me, and we'll get you the information that you need and, and how, to, how, to, how to shift these things around. So that's one example. The same thing could happen for, for somebody in Lake Rotorua or Lake Rotoiti, and they've got the anchor out, and they pull it back in. Then they go off to Lake Waikere Moana. They throw the anchor over the side. And the problem with some of these things with the anchor is, is that people don't tend to anchor right by the boat ramp. What they do is, is they launch the boat and they'll put the anchor out over the other side of the lake, and that's when the weed gets going, and it's usually well established by the time it's actually discovered. So that's a real trap with boats: is the is is people using the anchors and different things like that. Mm. Are people yeah. happy that you're there telling them these things, or are you, do they see you as a bit of a, a spoiler? Times have changed. Times have definitely changed. When I started doing this work on the riverbanks around um, uh, Taupo in, in, in the, around 2007, 2008, there was a fair bit of pushback. They, people, didn't, people didn't want to clean their gear. They didn't necessarily the need to it. And there was all these, all these sort of things. And we probably pushed pretty hard too. Because at that point, the, there was the threat of Didymo getting to the North Island, and we didn't know how much time we had. So we were, I pushed it pretty hard. And, and yeah, yeah, there were some interesting times. These days, uh, 13 years later, the attitude of a lot of New Zealanders has changed. It hasn't changed far enough, but it has changed. 
and looking after the waterways is a, is a far more acceptable thing these to, to, to be talking about to people these days. Far more acceptable. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokudui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mi arohanui, kia koutou, ko tahoahau. Kia ora koutou, beautiful superstars and beloved universal. And I really hope that wherever you are, whatever is happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, sustained and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, a triumph of nature's unperfect, unique and here, making us better. Thank you. So I'm so grateful to you all for the last several months together. These five minutes each day have helped me so much. And again, I would really like to thank Sam, the whole Blowing Bubbles team for having and recommend to you all if can spend these five minutes each day reframing and reorient your day into a creative ex and a gift in an attempt to be helpful wonderful. And as we know as a species, we are so inclined towards nurturing. We would not have co-evolved with all life in an infinite web to be where we are right here, right now, without that innate desire to nurture the world around us and transform it for the better more and more. And part of our skill set as a species, of course, tool creation. And the whole human world can be understood in this way, that it's a tool, that an expression of our love for the world that gives us life. And that more than human will, that we are constantly connected to and surrounded by, I hope and benefit more and more from the tools, behaviour that we create and inspire. And I know that Sam today is speaking to the amazing Dave, who's doing a lot of great work with our waterways. He kia koe, Dave. Thank you for all your great work. And I really want to thank you all for following your calling, following your, following what motivates you, drives you. And this is different for each of us. And I think it's important that we always know that whatever we are drawn to do, and of course this can change and evolve over time, like all aspects of our experience here, whatever we are called to do, it is valuable to follow that calling. And I know for me that that soul and spirit and heart and inner knowing that we all possess for me draws and motivates and inspires me towards encouraging that connection with the living world that's really what I love and to encourage everybody to see themselves as constantly connected and co-evolving and perfect and unique and contributing precious precious gifts. thank you so I've had the wonderful opportunity over the years of course to work with all these amazing amazing people and really I want to encourage all of them to follow their call in their heart and to know that whatever they are wanting to do to follow that and I think that we can be encouraged and conditioned to feel that different callings different ways of nurturance are more important but I don't think that's true I think however we are contributing our nurturing energy that is very precious I had the wonderful opportunity to host Tauriti too at Orokanui yesterday and this is a brilliant organisation led by my friend Katrina. They work with all the Komatua from the three Marae, Araita Uru, Pukaturaki, Otako and encourage and support the Komatua to get really fit. And going around the Whakawhanau no Tonga, everybody spoke about how greatly enriched their lives were by this wonderful community of care. And I think this is what happens when we follow our calling and we follow our heart's direction to nurture and care in the way that is best for us. We can do so much more 
when we really follow that vocation and we create communities around us. And I've really seen this happen at Orokanoi when I first started there 11 and a half years ago. There wasn't that huge community support that there is now. So many other conservation groups that we're working with. So I really hope for you that you're having the opportunity to really enjoy following your drive and your commitment and your motivation and your vocation to nurture and you're seeing that there's all this support from an inspired community around you thank you and i look forward to talking to you tomorrow thanks so much kakiti here in the central north north island we've got a whole pile of people out there we're only what 11 days away from christmas we've got a whole pile of people out there they're shopping for their grandchildren they, they want to buy their children presents. They want to buy their grandchildren presents. They're planning this big Christmas day and all the rest of it. But and yet they won't clean their gear during the river, dur- during the year, to actually look after the river so their grandchildren can enjoy when they get older. Now, I don't get that. I just don't get it. You know, And one of the things, one of the problems we've got is this belief in New Zealand that we have the right to go and do something, but it's not necessarily our responsibility to look after it. And that is a real problem. That's a real problem. Why do you care so much? It's just in the heart, Ben. It's just in the heart. It's this, it's this belief that's in me and it's in others. I'm not the only one that we have the responsibility. I mean, I'm age 60. I've got one little grandchild. But but I look at all these little kids that have been running around and, that, and I think it is our responsibility to deliver as a New Zealand, an Aotearoa New Zealand, in the best condition we can get for, for these young ones who are coming through. That is our responsibility. And, and the, the idea of a waterway being taken over by something is is just abhorrent to me and unfortunately i've seen a few things i've been on the harwea river and i've seen diddy mo when it's been blooming there i've seen alligator weed around hamilton and the in the swamps and and streams around there and i've been into the swamps and wetlands northeast of huntley and, and, and up there and seeing the absolute carnage that koi carp have done to, to these rivers, to, to those wetlands. And wetlands where Māori, you know, hundreds of years ago would have been able to use flax and, and they would have been able to get, you know, native fish for kai and protein and things like that. And because of the way the koi carp feed in that, these wetlands are just absolutely smashed. And then I look at situations like we've got the world half Ironman champ supposed to be coming to, to Taupo. They've been delayed once, but it's supposed to be coming to the Taupo in the next year, 18 months. Now there's four and a half thousand, sorry, five and a half thousand athletes pouring into New Zealand with wetsuits. What on earth are they bringing with them? And, and that, and that's, that's, that's what drives me. It's driven me since, since 2007. Just this thought that we are we are going to deliver this this fresh water to the best of we can to the next generation, and I'll fight it every step of the way that I possibly can, and that's what brings us into the second song, which is "Hold On Tight" by ELO. 
And that's what I wake up to at half past five every morning. I wake up full noise on my clock CD to that song, hold on tight to your dream. And that's, that's what my dream is, is that we are going to deliver this to the next generation. Dave, we've seen lots of changes over the last few months as time of COVID, almost a year. What changes do you think will stick and what do you hope will stick? I hope that a lot of people, will, a lot more people will be, will be travelling around New Zealand, New Zealanders, and that they are going to realise just how special this place is and how much care and attention that it actually needs. Because we're in trouble. I mean, a classic case is the 
is the Waikato Regional Council. They, they're currently holding a, a defensive line around Cambridge in, 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 in Waikato uh, as far as alligator weed goes. Now, that's a council spending over $500,000 a year on one weed. And we just can't afford this stuff, Sam. You know, I was I was in a black forestation on the on the banks of east uh, eastern shore of Benmore uh, this time last year, and we went out uh, into the back of the station with with the shepherd, and I couldn't believe how many wallabies were running around out the back of there. And all the stuff that we're fighting is all introduced. The whole lot of it's come into the country where it's been allowed into the country, and that's what we've got to stop. We've got to put the brakes on that and say no more and then we've got to get the New Zealanders as a whole to stand up and go we need to we need to stand up here we need to fight for this because we're in trouble if we don't there's too many there's too few of us so if we had the if we had the Prime Minister's ear who says yep that's great Dave we want New Zealanders to fight for this what do we need to do well, the, the, you know, there is progress being made. I mean, if I look, if I look in the in the in the in the, in the Taupo area, when my son and I started trapping rats and stoats and weasels up the Hinemai River stream, uh, river valley, around about 2010, there was us and there was another group of Pukawa on the western side of Taupo, and they were the only vermin trapping programs in the area. Well, if you look at it now. There's ones on the Tongarero, the Waiataka, the Waimarino, the Tauranga Taupo, the Waitanui. They're out at, at, at Marpra Stream at Fakai. They're all over the place. So there's a lot of a growth coming here. And what we've identified is the greatest group of people that we need to talk to where we can get the greatest change is straight into the primary schools. Now, I'll give you an example of that. Uh, last year, in, in October last year, I went to a primary school. And I've got a reputation for when I talk to schools, usually putting a couple of dollars, or, you know, a few dollars in that on the on the table, and uh, on the thing. And if they can answer, if the kids can answer the questions, they can get the money, and that's a great way of getting their attention. And these, I, I gave them, I, I put, tw- I only had twenty dollars this day, but they wanted to, something, and I put twenty dollars on the table, and I said, and this were nine-year-old children, not year nine, but nine-year-old children at Waipahi School in in, in Topo. And I said, if you can tell me the name of the three birds that make up the wattle family in New Zealand, native birds, you can have the money. Well, one little girl put her hand up and she tried to give me a thought. I said, no, 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 no. no I, want the, I want the native. And this little poppet put a hand up and she said, it's the kakako, the saddleback, and the huia, but the huia is now extinct. And I went, holy moly. This is a nine-year-old child. And that is where the growth in terms of conservation, kaitiaki tanga, conservation understanding is coming from, is in these primary schools. There's an awful lot of good work going into there. And that is going to pay dividends down the track. But obviously we're going to wait a while. Dave, do you think that it's, um, you know, you're talking about how um, how committed kids are to their kaitiakitanga, do you think it's because they can imagine how things, the possibilities that of being able to restore our natural environment in a, more effectively than their parents can imagine? 
Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I, I've um, I've taken numerous young people up the Hini My Eye stream and exposed them to different things. For instance, uh, trapping, uh, counting of birds, and and planting trees and killing weeds. And and when you find the one that they actually want to, that actually tickles their heart, it's just incredible the way they go. They're right into it. Does that make sense? Neville Pete, who we talked to a while ago, he was a Otago Regional Councillor and he is a uh, natural historian. He said that every generation unwittingly accepts a lower understanding of what natural is. That we don't know what these rivers were like in our grandparents' generation, and they didn't know what it was like in their grandparents' generation. How do we, how do we turn that around? Yeah, that's a good point because if you look at places like, for instance, Acacia Bay on Lake Taupo, where there's lagrosiphon uh, growing and it's growing right up to the surface, there's an awful lot of young ones in in the local community here who think that that's some sort of acceptable thing because they don't remember it like I do when it wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So that's a problem, okay? When it comes to native bush, no, we can win because you can take an area and you can smash all the the introduced stuff out of it and what's left is the native bush. And they can feel there's something to do in the human psyche we, like in places like the Upper Hini Mai, we get a lot of people coming up there looking to connect with nature. I don't see people trying to connect with nature on the lower Tongariro when there's blackberry and willows and everything else underneath there. It just doesn't, it, there's something in our site that allows us to connect with native bush. And of course, birds is the other one. Now, we had a program here in, 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 um, Waitanui a few years ago and we had a whole that was started because some young ones wanted to see Miro Miro the North Island Robin they wanted to see Miro Miro in the in, in, in the valley and we worked and worked and worked but eventually that one was stopped because some Pākehā uh, anglers didn't want to see the willows and, and, and the silver birch escape so yeah, these young ones, they, if you get the right person and you get them out there, they, they can connect all right. They, 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 they can come up with the idea. And I mean, one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen was a young guy called Heta Wall. And we used to walk up the Waitanui River and he took an absolute dislike, hatred almost, to Himalayan honeysuckle. And whenever he'd walk around with a machete and whenever he saw it, he'd chop the heck out of the stuff. We used to call them Himalaya Heta. So if you get the right people in the right um, in, in the right environment, these young ones are into it. They're, they're way, way ahead of where, of where we were. And but one of the things... A long way to go. Yeah, one of the things we've shown them through the COVID experience is that we can do stuff when we really want to. That's right. That's right. Yep. So that they're not we gonna can. take they're not gonna take a no, we can't do that, that's too difficult. They're not gonna accept that. No. No. 
That's right. I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time, but that's okay. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? The biggest success I've had would be keeping Lako Tamanakau free of hornwort. Hornwort is one of the most, it was one of the worst freshwater pests we have in New Zealand. It's prolific in Lake Taupo in certain areas. It's very much in Lake Rotoaira, which is a sacred lake to the Ngāti Tūwhai Tau people, and we have kept it out of Lake Otamanakao, and that's taken 15 years of hard work, but we've done it. And that would be one of, that would be one of the, the biggest successes I, I reckon I've had. Hmm. But you must have to have that same success every year because you can't let your guard down. That's right. That's right. And that's one of the things about biosecurity is, is people, you know, if, if, if you had a, if you had a hundred thousand people going down state highway one and one of them wound their window down and threw some McDonald's out the window, then that is, that is disappointing, but it's not going to change the world. But if you've got 100,000 people using lakes and one of them shifts a, 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 a weed, then it becomes a big problem. So as far as our goals and attitude go and biosecurity, we've got to go for 100% because 99 is not good enough. And if you look around at some of the things that have happened in New Zealand, like PSA and the kiwi fruit, Mycoplasma bovis, 99% compliance to biosecurity is just not good enough. We've got to go for 100 even though that may be incredibly difficult to do, that's what we have to try and do. That and it's the, in that case, it's the opposite of the the million dollar mouse project, where eradicating the last mouse was going to cost a million dollars. It's the the impact of the mm. the million dollar impact of that first invasion, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Mm. We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in our team. What is the superpower that's got you into the mansion? My my superpower is is identifying what my dream in life is, reading about it two or three times a day, and then go and chase it with everything I've got. That's a good superpower. That makes a lot of sense. The power of a dream. And that's what's got me going for all these years and will keep me going because I keep renewing it and I keep reading it and I keep all of it up. It's the dream. Hmm. So, so do you consider yourself to be an that activist? Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm a very much an activist. Yeah. Mm. And and we will take on uh, an activist and and you know some of the fights that we've had over the years. Uh, you know I don't get too many Christmas cards from too many politicians these days. Yeah, we've we've had some big fights over over the biosecurity of our country. Mm? Is that because you're doing the work that they should be doing? Oh, sometimes and and other things there was. Back in about 2013, the 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 uh, uh, current government at that time decided that they would 
change the advocacy that happens on the Picton Ferry, uh, where people come up in their cars and advocates walk up and down and they talk to them about biosecurity and freshwater pests and things like that. And the government decided they would change that from seven, seven days down to four. They would only be there four days of the week instead of seven. And we tried to talk to the government at the time. They wouldn't listen. And so I dealt to the situation uh, by going to the newspapers around the country. And within about a week, it was all the fight was all over and it was back to seven. And no one's changed it since. So what motivates so, you, know, you? You know, that's just one of them. They were, they were well, coming back to that dream, back to that same dream. We're going to look after these. We're going to look after these lakes and rivers. When I when I depart this earth, they'll carry me out, and and they'll and and we will have got we will have delivered as cleaner, fresher water as we possibly can, in terms of a biosecurity thing, to the next generation, and that's my mission in life. It's not my job. Never has been. It's been my mission, and that's so what we're going to do. What's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or so? The biggest challenge is, is trying to get some ideas on how do we get this behaviour change so that people will actually want to buy into the biosecurity, that they, instead of just going somewhere and using a river or lake, that they will start to think how we look after it. And we're always looking for ideas like that. You know, we're happy to give away, we're happy to give away fly fishing trips. We're happy to give away free trout flies. We're looking for ideas all the time. I mean, one of the classics was we, we came up with bumper stickers uh, that we can all put on our vehicles. And we ran an online competition to, for, to come up with what ideas people could come up with. And a lady in Featherston came up with the idea for this bumper sticker, which said, real men keep their tackle free of weeds. <laughs> the moment I saw it, I thought that's a winner. We'll run on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we got a whole lot of them printed up. Yeah. We got a whole lot of them printed up and 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 things and 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 all these sort of things that are designed to try and raise awareness. I mean, as I mentioned, the the nylon trout fly. Another one is uh, stoke tails. We're, we're looking for tales of, of, of freshly trapped stoats all around New Zealand. And a couple of few people send them to me. We tie them into trout flies and we hock them off for five bucks each as a way of trying to, to raise awareness out there of, 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 of that there are stoats. Because most people don't see these things, right? They're nocturnal. They don't see them. So if we can, if we can sell stoat tail flies, then we sell them. And we give the money back to the people who send us the tails. Whatever it takes, we'll have a go at. Mm. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Yes. Put your biosecurity hat on as you're running around New Zealand. And if you if you need help with that, then get hold of me, as I said through Facebook. Diddy Mo Dave, get hold of that. But when you're going swimming, when you're going fishing, when you're going things like that, Learn things because it's a very, very simple process to clean your gear between one place and another. And just start to think that way because the amount of money that we are spending in this country 
that the regional councils rate rate um, money that they're spending, and the and the the um, national government, the, the governments what they're spending in taxes on freshwater pests is frightening. And and we can all do our bit to keep those costs down, and to look after the rivers and to deliver a better New Zealand to the next generation. So if anybody wants to know anything, get hold of me. We've got the information. We're happy to send it to you and work with you. But start putting that biosecurity first. When you, Thank when you. you when you're moving around. Thank you very that much for that. I think we uh, Here's my idea. I think we should have a biosecurity hat. Moira is going to close us out. Um, Diddy Mo, Dave. You're a hero and um, you're making a difference to our natural environment. You're making a difference to the lives of our children. And uh, please just keep doing what you're doing and, um, and know that all of us appreciate and value you. Thank you. My problems. Thanks very much. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you. We're going out to Gwen Stefani, Jingle Bells. been listening to blowing bubbles positive conversations with people in their bubbles their safe spaces around the world brought to you by the sustainable lens team which is brought to you by otago polytechnic we broadcast on otago access radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz you can find us on facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we had a contribution today from tahu mckenzie I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and in Taupo, Didamo Dave.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.